You are listening to Inside Healthcare, a podcast presented by NCQA. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Inside Healthcare. I'm your host, Dave Smolar, Senior Multimedia Specialist here at NCQA. NCQA, the National Committee for Quality Assurance, seeks to improve the quality of healthcare in America. We want to make healthcare better for everyone. We set expectations of healthcare organizations, measure their performance, and highlight those that do well. And we use science to help us build better health and better choices for all Americans. If you're a fan of this podcast or have any comments or concerns, write to us at communications at ncqa.org. We look forward to your note. On today's episode of Inside Healthcare, we talk with leaders of a healthcare company absolutely dedicated to solving the issues of health equity once and for all. Now, how can I be so sure? Because this is one of the first healthcare companies to earn NCQA's health equity accreditation, as well as NCQA's health equity accreditation plus program. Later on, we get input from a key NCQA staffer on our upcoming Health Innovation Summit, and then some fast facts in honor of Dental Hygiene Month. It's always something new to learn there. But before we start our featured interview, some exciting news. Registration for NCQA's first annual Health Innovation Summit has sold out. We have reached capacity for the D.C. Marriott Marquis Hotel. We've confirmed over 1,200 attendees. Registration is closed, and we're so grateful for everyone's interest and attendance. But wait, don't turn off the show yet. If you are not able to register, here's the plan. We encourage you to do the following in whatever order is convenient to you. Sign up for updates on next year's summit, 2023 summit by going to the link that I'll provide in this episode's description. Also, go to ncqasummit.com and learn about this year's event so you get an idea of what's in store for 2023. And stay tuned to this podcast, everyone, for updates during the event. You heard me right. I am officially announcing slash confirming that I will be releasing even more content directly from the Health Innovation Summit. I'll get interviews from industry leaders and thinkers and tech designers and post them as many episodes every single night, fresh from our Inside Healthcare Podcast Center at the Health Innovation Summit this year. So even if you can't make it, keep your ears glued to this podcast for exclusive updates and interviews throughout the four-day DC conference from Halloween this year through November 3rd. But first... There's a reason why we bring up health equity so often on this show. It's because at NCQA, we believe and solidly state the following principles. High quality care is equitable care. And there is no quality without equity. Now, this is evidenced by NCQA's health equity accreditation programs, which we launched only a few months ago. And this brings us to our featured interview for this episode, Elevance Health, a health insurance provider headquartered in Indianapolis, carries on a bold purpose 
of improving the health of humanity. They are a healthcare company dedicated to making real progress toward improving the health of the people and communities they serve. They're the largest managed care company in the Blue Cross Blue Shield Association, and they provide health benefits to consumers in both the private commercial market as well as those enrolled in government-based insurance programs. They also have a philanthropic arm. The Elevance Health Foundation addresses health inequalities and strengthens the communities they cover in the United States. In the 21 years that the foundation has been active, they've awarded $280 million in local and national grants. Their dedication to outreach on both a local and state level makes the company and its affiliates well-suited to enter into NCQA's health equity accreditation programs. They've been involved with NCQA programs for a long time now, so it's no surprise they would jump at the chance to support affiliates who enter this unprecedented program. So guess what? On September 28, 2022, NCQA announced that nine healthcare organizations, nine of them, have earned accreditation in the first cohort of the NCQA Health Equity Accreditation Plus program. And of the nine organizations, one of them, Simply Healthcare Plans in Florida, is an Elevance Health company. And right now on our show, I get to talk to two key players who got this done. Tammy McDonald, Staff Vice President for Accreditation and Quality Programs at Elevance Health, and Holly Prince, the President of Simply Healthcare Plans Medicaid at Elevance Health in Florida. Starting in 2018, Elevance Health, then known as Anthem, achieved recognition for their Medicaid health plans in NCQA's Multicultural Healthcare Distinction Program. And as Tammy tells it, when it comes to promoting and supporting our health equity accreditation programs, Elevance Health was in the right place at the right time. This is a very natural progression to to get raise our hand and step up and um, undergo the health equity and health equity plus accreditation. It really aligns also with kind of our mission, values, vision. It just naturally made sense for us to to seek this accreditation. It's a really great stamp of approval on what we're doing. Um, It really encouraged us to kind of take a look at what we're doing and how we're doing it. And um, and again, we feel like this is our health equity strategy is much larger than just those requirements in accreditation. But, you know, we really feel that this is the NCQA requirements and the accreditation is really foundational to our work in this area. Uh, Holly, go go ahead. Uh, tell us um, tell us how uh, this accreditation program uh, aligns with the work that you do, uh, and and even if you could give me your definition of what health equity would mean, or, or seeing things through a health equity lens. Definitely, I would reiterate what Tammy said. It's been a it's been a key focus for Elevance um, around whole health, and, and getting to the definition. And I'll get to that in a moment. It's it's it is it is really around how do we wrap around support for the entire person and promote whole health for that individual. And I'll tell you, in Florida, we are an incredibly diverse population. Um, We are one of the largest Medicaid 
providers and Medicare providers in the state of Florida. And our employee base is representative of that diverse fabric of what makes up our Florida community from cultural, linguistically, and, you know, just geographically incredibly diverse and people's needs are, are different. And when you, when we think about health equity, that's one of the, one of the basis of that is, is giving personalized care that promotes the whole health for an individual. It, it's wonderful to be talking about Elevance Health as a large organization. It's a large company and simply healthcare is covering so many thousands or millions of, of people, but ultimately HEA, ultimately dealing with health equity gaps is about working with individuals as individuals, treating patients as individuals. And there's there's got to be a, a, a sense of promoting the dignity of an individual and making sure they don't feel like they're caught in some kind of uh, a process where they get lost in, in the middle of everything. You know, our, our chief health equity officer uses the term health equity by design frequently. So this is, an, this is intentional work to your point where you said we have to look at the individual. You know, health equity really forces us to, to take a different approach. So instead of a one size fits all for all Florida members, you know, the standards require and it's the work that we're doing is really looking local. The folks, in our members in Broward County, our members in Hillsborough County, they're different. They have different needs, different barriers to care. Um, the population looks a little bit different. And we have to think differently on how we really meet those members where, um, with what services they need and, and what they, their preferences. And, and that's really how we're going to make a difference here in this area is, again, changing how we uh, how we approach uh, supporting these members in a different way. So I want to move on and talk about um, the process of actually going through this. Um, uh, this group, especially specifically Simply Healthcare, are pioneering this uh, program from NCQA uh, as part of the pilots. Uh, what was the process that you went through in preparing for the survey? There's no precedent for this. There's no, well, let's see what anybody else did. You're just going in with what you got and um, on faith and working with NCQA to push through uh, the uh, Accreditation Plus program. Yeah, so I'll start, Holly, and then feel free to jump in. So um, <laughs> I always laugh, um, joke around with the quality director at Simply because she is always first to raise her hand whenever there's a new accreditation. And <laughs> when she when she came to me with um, the idea of, hey, Tammy, let's go ahead and raise our hand and we'll take simply through, um, understanding that one, the standards, final standards had not been released. So again, to your point, we're kind of going in blind, a new process. Generally, we we know the requirements, we know the rules going in, and it's a little bit easier to kind of make that decision about whether we're going to move forward or not. But we took a leap of faith. Again, we've had multicultural healthcare distinction for a while. So, you know, we had some processes in place for several years and a little bit easier. The Health Equity Plus was a completely different focus. Um a different set of standards. 
But what I loved about this process with NCQA is it, it was a real partnership when it came to the PLUS standards. Again, new area for NCQA, new for us. But we really, we met with NCQA's leadership, um, associates that were leading this program. We talked through what we had. They gave us some advice. Um, We had group calls with the other organizations to kind of really understand it. And we really felt that this was a partnership with NCQA to develop the requirements. No, we don't get everything we wish for. And some of the standards were a lot more difficult and took some planning and execution. But NCQA really... Again, I can't stress enough how much it felt like a partnership because of the collaboration and discussion and flexibility from NCQA around in the area of the PLUS standards, Um, really helping us evolve our program and put some structure in place and work through the planning. More than, I think, more than process and and, uh, procedure, it really challenged us to be strategic. And I really, really appreciated that partnership with NCQA to help us think holistically and strategically. And you hit a really good example, Tammy, in terms of how do you, how do you deal with community organizations and how do we know we have a long history of working with CDS, but how do we really use our data and what we know about these, you know, individuals that make up our health plan? What do we know in that area? Do we know that, how do we know we're being effective with the, with the programs that we put in place and the community organizations that we're working in with and the, you know, the pilots and the different programs that we do. So that bringing it up and connecting the dots and being very strategic about it so that it is a um, very structured, targeted approach that at the end touches those individuals who most need it. So we're being, you know, impactful in the best way possible. And that was, for me, the greatest takeaway was, was that partnership with NCQA to help us think strategically. Holly, I wanted to ask you, I, I've asked people at NCQA uh, the difference for them between HEA, excuse me, the Health Equity Accreditation Program and the Health Equity Accreditation Plus Program. Um, simply healthcare qualified for the plus program. Tell me what is unique? Uh, what kind of programming were you already doing towards health equity or what was it that, uh, helped you qualify for the plus program? And then what was your experience in, uh, going in, you know, as part of the first cohort for the plus program specifically? So, yeah, the, the health equity, um, accreditation that, you know, helped us was focused around how do we understanding the populations, understanding health needs, uh, combing through data, putting that on paper. I think the plus part is what we were talking about is adding, layering in that strategy. So now, so now you have this and we're, we have a population health analysis and we have a discipline, <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that, of um, calling it whole health analysis versus population health, but taking that population health analysis, that whole health analysis, and wrapping it into the fabric and the everyday strategy and tactical as well initiatives that we're deploying as a plan. I mean, that is the plus part of it. We, we've touched on how do we interface with community organizations? You know, we Part of the accreditation process is, well, okay, so how do you vet that? Talk to me about what structure you have in place to marry that whole health analysis, that look about your 
your your clients and your members' needs, how does that how does that marry up with who you're partnering with in the community? So it's really taking it to another level. In terms of what both of you were just talking about, now you get to the point of saying, uh, here's the organization we have, here's who we are, here's who we serve, here's how we work together with the outside community uh, and their infrastructure, as well as our own. And here's the programs, the initiatives that we've already taken on our own towards trying to bridge the gaps in, in health equity. So now that you're entering into health equity accreditation and other people listening want to put themselves in your shoes, um, what should be foundational understandings? What should you already have in place that would really benefit you? What do you think they, for Holly first, what do you think uh, would be great for them to have already in place to be most prepared to launch into the programs? Yeah, I, I think first off, you start with a culture of awareness with your within your organization and setting that uh, awareness and expectation internally is is a, is a tremendous part. And, you know, you heard Gammy say we jumped right in because we are an incredibly diverse uh, state here in Florida and we serve a diverse array of members. So for us, it, it was it felt natural and a natural progression along from our health equity accreditation. But having that that buy in from your leadership and from your folks on the ground is is where I would say is the is the first part. And then, you know, you, you touched on it too, having that data platform and those connections with your data to really be able to to drill into that is huge. And Tammy, I know that you were much more in, in the weeds on in, in that and might be able to speak to us more about exactly what prerequisites you would say, almost prerequisites um, uh, you would say, or items that might be helpful for folks as they're thinking about embarking on the accreditation. And Tammy, what do you think in, in the broader sense for anybody around the country, any of the organizations around the country, um, what's best for them in terms of connecting with their local communities, uh, in terms of um, infrastructure that they might want to have in place before they uh, jump into HEA? One is an enthusiastic and committed leader like Holly. And, and I know it, it sounds a little kind of corporate-y, but it, this accreditation does take commitment of resources, not only on the people side, but also financial resources to develop tools, to implement programs, to, to you know, dedicate people to these programs. So if you, if you don't have that buy-in and a commitment to thinking out of the box and from those senior leaders, it's going to be very, very difficult when it comes time to say, okay, we've, we found a program that we works well or that we think will work and we need to, we need to kind of implement that. Also, data, 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 Dave. Um, <laughs> we really need data to help us, one, understand our members, what they need, but it's not only clinical data. You have to have the ability to layer in social drivers. So is it transportation issues that are that are present, preventing members from seeing their PCP or to get a vaccination? 
Is it uh, a lack of healthy food in their communities that is really preventing diabetics or diabetic um, moms from having healthy pregnancies or monitoring and, and staying compliant with their diabetes? So you have to have the data or the ability to collect the data to understand what the needs are in the communities. And then you really have to have an understanding of the quality improvement process. So how do you identify, how do you use data? How do you um, evaluate data? How do you drill down to complete a root cause analysis at a local level, whether that's at a zip code, whether that's at a regional level, whether that's at a county level, you have to have those skills to be able to look at data, analyze data, understand data, and then take action. What would be your advice, Holly, to um, an organization, um, a health-based organization in a completely different state in the United States, nowhere near Florida, different place, different climate, middle of the country, maybe. But what do you think would be maybe the top three most important things for them to consider uh, in terms of building up a health equity um, policy? We talked about getting the data, right? You have to get that out there. And then you have to open your heart and your mind to going where the data takes you. It might not be what you what you had thought it would be at the outset. So you really have to, you have to be willing, able to, to analyze that and say, okay, this is where, this is, this is the need here. This is what the individuals who are in this particular area, this is, this is their health outcomes. This is what is driving that from a, from a health perspective and a social determinants of health perspective and using that to then craft, how do I approach that, those individuals? How do I craft what I do as a health plan to support the best health outcomes for that individual population? And having that, you know, having that open-mindedness, I, I think is, is really key. You know, the data is the first step. The data gets us started. But what we found is that, you know, the data only only tells what it, it doesn't tell the full story. We found that we have to, we have to meet with our members. We have to talk with our members. We have to take a look at our community partners and think out of the box. Maybe it's the local um, churches that we have to partner with or um, the food banks that we have to partner with to really find out what is needed in the communities. And so I think the steps that a state would take or a healthcare system or health plan would take are the same, but it really is community driven and and I, I think as an insurance company, uh, although Elevance Health is, is more than that, the typical insurance company, I, I think members feel, uh, you know, a member may think, okay, an, an insurance company is someone that approves or denies my claims. Um, they pay for my healthcare needs, but we are so much more than that. And we want to be more than that. We want to be partners. The data is very, very important, but those partnerships and support in the community and, and really engaging people that know the needs of the community um, 
particularly where in populations where disparities or inequities lie, we need help understanding what are the what are those concerns, risks, barriers to care, the NCQA plus standards, and even the base standards really encourage those partnerships. And that uh, it, it's something we're understanding more and more and committing to those partnerships more and more. When it comes to working with community-based organizations, and this is going off of what both of you just said, mm-hmm. that uh, the difficulty in really solving these issues is putting together the metrics, the measures, uh, the database to work that you do and turning it into something real uh, and, and something practical on an individual basis in, in helping people as individuals. The CBOs, the community-based organizations are the bridge between the healthcare entities and these individual people. And it's not just because of their personnel, their infrastructure, their community. It's not just because of their experience, but there's been, and we've talked about this on our show, especially over the last two years or so, uh, that there's been more and more of a distrust of healthcare services, uh, dealing with doctors, PCPs, clinicians, from a lot of people, a lot of patients uh, in underserved populations, more and more they just don't trust it. They just, they might even get to go to a doctor and then think the doctor thinks they know better than I do and and not listen. So even if you sometimes have services available, they don't always believe it. They don't always believe that this is real or somebody is doing something to, to help me um, in trying to solve food deserts like you were talking about and, and things within the community that we could just do just to give people a boost. So- Tell me what you think in terms of health equity accreditation, those programs, um, and in general in health equity programs and how working with a CBO can help to encourage people, individuals to trust healthcare services again and to come back to the services that are now being made more and more available. We need them to help us help our members. So we have to have those community connections um, because we don't always know the right way to say things. We don't always know um, where the barriers are and what we're not communicating clearly. So you're right. We need those community-based organizations um, to really help complete that quality improvement analysis, right? The plan, do, study, act, the whole planning process. We need CBOs to to help us, you know, develop and implement and monitor our programs to make sure they're effective and getting those members to come back and trust us and, you know, get the health care that they need. And Tammy, I I can't agree more. Um, Having that person, that organization, and often that individual inside that community-based organization who, who, who lives in the community, sounds like me, may look like me, um, but somebody that I have that trusted connection with it, that, you know, is not um, somebody sitting in Tallahassee or in Miami when I am, you know, in, in the panhandle of, of the state of Florida. That's huge to have that individual to build that bridge of trust 
and engagement is it then ultimately that's what we want to do is engage that member and I have a really great example of of doulas using doulas in the community and we have a wonderful partnership throughout the state but we have different individuals in each community and the different community organizations that we work with and they're really able to connect with these mothers and engage them in the interfacing with their PCPs specialists if they need a hospital staff if and when the you know the time arises for that so it's you know it's been incredibly successful we have many testimonies from from members who say this this individual made all the difference for me and, and my child through the process that that is the the beauty of building those uh those connections with community organizations and it and it becomes very enriching for the member as they're engaged and um and for us as a health plan, as we see health outcomes improve. Famous last words from Tammy McDonald. Anything that you would like to add, please? As you're building a health equity program or strategy, these standards will provide you with some building blocks and a way to get started in building some really solid infrastructure and basics around uh, a health equity program. Um, but they also, even though NCQA provides the building blocks, it still doesn't prohibit you from taking um, taking the requirements and making the program something that's very community specific, specific to the membership or individuals that your organization serves. So very valuable experience. And um, we're excited to, as our other health plans transition from multicultural healthcare distinction to health equity accreditation. We're, we're excited about how it, it, it makes us a better organization. Thanks, Dave. Holly, anything you want to add? Yeah, I, I just want to first say thank you again uh, for the collaboration with NCQA. It has been wonderful. And I, like Tammy, would encourage organizations, you know, to at least start thinking about it because it's important, it makes a difference, and it really embraces whole health for individuals. And um, yeah, if, if you're not signing up for Health Equity Plus, which I would recommend that, that, that you do, um, if you're not, think about it, start putting those processes in place that do focus on connecting the dots. We talked a lot about that in terms of data, in terms of community member needs and member um, access to care and outcomes. So it has been a wonderful experience for us. I think it really will move our organization tremendously forward. Um, we're, we're happy to be leaders on this. And thanks, thank you very much for your time today and for the help during the process. We, we really appreciate it. Tammy McDonald, Staff Vice President for Accreditation and Quality Programs at Elevance Health, and Holly Prince, President, Simply Healthcare Plans Medicaid at Elevance Health in Florida. For more on NCQA's efforts to combat and to reverse the scourge of health inequity, go to ncqa.org and search health equity in the top right corner search field, or just scroll down the page and click the words health equity on our homepage, right in the middle of the page, right next to the icon for the scales of justice. Jennifer D'Alessandro is incredible. She is NCQA's director of education. 
Let me give you an example. Have you ever taken a webinar with NCQA, a training session, anything on our education.ncqa.org site? Yes, that's what we're talking about. I was incredibly lucky to get Jen D'Alessandro on our Inside Healthcare podcast, if only for the fact that she's just always so busy. But not that there's anything wrong with that. She's a model for all of us, of course. But if you want to know what NCQA and what our Health Innovation Summit are all about, there's no better person to virtually tap on the shoulder and politely ask a question. Here's my chat with Jen. Jennifer D'Alessandro is the NCQA Director of Education. And with the Health Innovation Summit, we are all about quality, but we are all about education. There are many speakers and many uh, seminars that are going on, leading to meetings and breakout rooms and one-on-ones and meeting people you haven't met somewhere in the industry. Um, let, let me start by asking you, first of all, welcome to Inside Healthcare. Thank you, David. Thanks for joining us. So first, let me ask you, um, just what what's something that you could do to, to sum up what the summit is all about? Thanks, David. The summit is all about being together again. It's been a couple of years since NCQA has hosted an in-person conference, and we miss our customers. We miss our key stakeholders. And finally, we get to be together again this fall, downtown in Washington, D.C., just a few blocks from the NCQA office at the Marriott Marquis. The dates are October 31st through November 3rd, and we have a fantastic lineup in store for this inaugural flagship event. So in the past, we used to offer the PCMH Congress, our Patient-Centered Medical Home Congress, and our Healthcare Quality Congress. This new event is replacing those in-person conferences. So this brings all of our stakeholders across the healthcare quality landscape together with each other to learn, to engage, to network, to hear inspirational speakers, best practices, panelists sharing their strategies across six different themes. And when we started thinking about this conference last fall, we really thought about it about all the great innovative things that folks are doing in the healthcare space. Of course, the drive to the digital ecosystem, all the great devices that are out there now for patients to support their care. Care is anywhere that the patient needs, whether it's at their office, where they play, where they work, at their home. So we really wanted the content of this year's conference to to surround innovation. And that's how we came up with the name, Health Innovation Summit, where we could come together with payers, with regulators, with health systems, with health technology vendors, and really look at how the landscape is changing very quickly. Um, A lot had to do with the push from COVID, right? To ensure that our patients were getting the care where they needed, when they needed. So really driving the key theme of innovation in this space. So as somebody who's really organizing, uh, helping to put together just the idea of the summit, where where did the idea of the summit come from? We had live events in the past mm-hmm. and big events in the past. Well, the quality talks we've been doing for six or seven years. That's just mm-hmm. one day. This is this is four days. So where where did this uh, summit come from? Uh, so we we felt a real gap in connecting with our audience, with our customers, and with our key stakeholders. And as I mentioned earlier, it had been three years since we were together. 
at a conference, really sharing the work that NCQA is doing and looking at the other work across the healthcare quality landscape. So we went to leadership with the idea to hold an in-person conference in the fall of 2022. Leadership supported this idea and we quickly assembled a steering committee that helped us really shape the themes and the ideas and the texture of this conference. And our steering committee members are, is comprised of a few of our NCQA board members, a few thought leaders across the healthcare quality space. And we quickly pulled that steering committee together to say, here's what we're thinking. Here's what we're seeing in digital, in equity, in breakthrough innovators in healthcare. And those themes quickly developed through the steering committee uh, collaborating with NCQA with our internal core planning members. Let me build on that because we're having, we have a, a number of tracks that have, uh, of study and review that people are going to be able to pick from. And unfortunately, you can't get one person choosing all of the tracks all at once. Somebody's right. going to have to tell everybody. We'll have a, a whole lot of overlap <laughs> and a lot of reasons to wake up on Wednesday and say, oh, did you do that on Tuesday? What happened? What happened? <laughs> right. People to talk. But I would say a lot of these come down to two big areas. One is health equity, closing the gaps of, of health equity. And the other would be, we could say that the digitalization of healthcare, uh, not just tech innovations, but resolving problems with interoperability and and um, how to incorporate fire and all the things that uh, NCQA is planning on doing. So uh, what led us to these ideas? Why are these ideas so paramount for us right now? These are critical strategic initiatives and priorities for NCQA. So we very thoughtfully, very strategically embedded this content into the theme of the conference. And we purposefully selected speakers that are doing great work in this space. So we really set up the dominoes in motion to ensure that we uh, not only put folks on the stage that are doing innovative work in digital and equity and developing the strategy and embedding that work. Um, we're putting them on the stage and we're showcasing the work that NCQA is doing in this space. So let me walk you through kind of what, what the conference looks like. Every day starts with a keynote. Every um, session for each day will all be together in the Marriott Marquis Ballroom, the main ballroom that can hold about a thousand people in that space. And we'll kick it off with a, with a keynote speaker, probably on those topics that we just mentioned, right? Digital innovation, breakthrough, alternative care delivery, equity, all of that content will be uh, highlighted in our keynotes. And then we go into our breakout sessions four or five concurrent sessions across the day where the attendee could pick which session they want to go in. We're doing resiliency and recovery, talking about healing coming out of COVID and in, uh, tackling the behavioral health issues that have happened in the last couple of years. We also feature NCQA programs and research. We have those sessions earmarked for NCQA subject matter experts. So an attendee will have the opportunity to review in the mobile app which sessions they want to join and really engage in some terrific content across all, all four days. We close out each afternoon with plenary speakers. That's where we all go back to the Marriott Ballroom and really engage with uh, 
panelists or breakthrough innovators in healthcare. So we have the health innovation pavilion filled with exhibitors with all different kinds of booths and and with a hub in the middle of NCQA experts. So tell us about um, about that. What do you see when you walk in? Uh, a dynamic energetic environment with NCQA at the center. Our booth is in the center of the Health Innovation Pavilion and surrounding us are 45 exhibitors from a variety of organizations, health technology, uh, alternative care delivery methods, digital solutions, really cool companies that are showcasing their products and services at our flagship event. So it'll be a really energetic exhibit floor and NCQA will be at the center. And part of our booth itself is our innovation theater. That's a cool opportunity for folks to come watch some of these new technologies, these new services out there. We'll have demonstrations by these technology companies that attendees can come in and watch and engage with these companies to learn more about their products and services. So that's happening. We have NCQA staff that are behind the my.ncqa. You know, when customers write us in my.ncqa and ask us policy-related questions regarding accreditation or HEDIS or our recognition programs, we'll have those folks that are normally behind that email or behind that question right there in person answering our customers' questions. So attendees will be able to meet our subject matter experts and meet us face-to-face and have conversations with us. It's a, a great opportunity for stakeholders for, for people who are in the certification programs, people who are signed up for HEDIS and they're looking for answers and they're looking for approvals and to make sure that are we doing everything right and things are changing. Um, equity is being built into everything that we're doing at NCQA. People, they know that there are new priorities that are coming in there. What's old is new. Uh, and this is a chance for them to be able to talk to people. That's right. So that's a great opportunity for our attendees to network with each other, with our vendors inside the pavilion. Additionally, we're using a mobile app throughout the conference, and there's a functionality where our attendees can connect with each other, read about each other, send messages, set up call, set up meetings, perhaps connect during a coffee break or during a lunch. Same with our sponsors. There's an opportunity in the mobile app for our attendees to read about our sponsors and learn more about the services that they provide. We also have a cool thing going this year too, David, is we're doing uh, electronic digital posters. You know, when you've gone to conferences in the past, folks are standing by that big board with their big white paper, sharing their project as folks walk by and engage with them. Well, we're doing this digitally this year. We accepted a lot of digital posters to be embedded in our app. So those great projects, those great initiatives can be found in the mobile app. So there's great content that can be consumed both in person and through the mobile app. So it's really enriching the attendees experience. Jen, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. NCQA's Director of Education, Jennifer D'Alessandro, joining us with the latest on our upcoming summit, health equity programs, and advances in digital health. Well, every episode of Inside Healthcare, we bring you some fast facts, useful stats to pass along to friends, colleagues, and I guess anyone you're stuck in the elevator with at work. 
So here's another bit of fast facts for you to chew on. And after you chew, always remember to brush and floss. That's right, if you haven't guessed yet, October is Dental Hygiene Month. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has some numbers for us on American dental habits based on studies that came out over the past 10 years. And they start by sharing the understanding that bad oral health leads to oral disease, which can lead to pain, infection, eating, speaking, learning disabilities. It, it can even ultimately affect how easily someone makes friends or finds a good job. So for good dental hygiene, you must start early. And here's what we have. According to various studies quoted by the CDC, by age 8, 52% of children in the United States have had at least one cavity in their baby teeth. Kids from low-income families are twice as likely to have cavities as children from higher-income families, so good oral health awareness then becomes an issue of equity. Emergency dental care for kids results in about 34 million school hours lost each year. And in adults, unplanned dental care, emergency care, led to an annual loss of over $45 billion in productivity. And for adults aged 20 to 64, about a quarter of them have cavities right now. What else can I tell you that you don't already know? Brush, floss, drink fluoridated water. You should put sealant on your kid's teeth when the dentist says so. You should go to your dentist, go see a dentist, any dentist, on a regular basis. And stay off the sugar. I know that sounds obvious, but diabetes and tobacco use are two risk factors for gum disease. I'll include the CDC's page link in the description of this episode uh, right after I make my appointment. It's been a while for me. Again, our amazing news, registration is now closed for NCQA's first annual Health Innovation Summit. But if you're a potential speaker, sponsor, or participant, keep in touch with NCQA for updates on the 2023 summit, planning for which is already in progress. And yes, we are planning for more people. And no, I don't know when or where it's going to be next year, but when I know, you'll know Scout's Honor. As we do on each episode of Inside Healthcare, we come now to you for your thoughts on today's show. Email us at communications at ncqa.org anytime with your comments. And if you're coming up empty for what to say, here's our question of the week. What would your company do in the next month to prepare to qualify for NCQA's health equity accreditation? So if you have answers, tell us about them so we can share your ideas throughout the audience. And if you have a comment, a suggestion, any idea for a guest on our show, and hint, hint, maybe you'd like to be that guest, just email us at communications at ncqa.org and let us know. We hope to hear from you soon. That about wraps it up for episode 90 of NCQA's Inside Healthcare podcast. Thanks for joining us. This episode's done, but there are plenty that came before it for you to explore and investigate. Share a show, spread the word, help us build our audience by letting others know about NCQA's work. 
And if you haven't done so already, connect with NCQA on LinkedIn and Twitter. You'll get video promos for this show that can be shared with your friends and colleagues. And as always, we thank you, our loyal listener, for helping our audience continue to grow. On behalf of our award-winning NCQA communications team, I am Senior Multimedia Specialist and Podcast Producer Dave Smolar. We'll see you again, no doubt. You've been listening to Inside Healthcare, a podcast brought to you by NCQA, the National Committee for Quality Assurance. Inside Healthcare is available on your computer or mobile device through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and on our blog at blog.ncqa.org forward slash podcast.